Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome into Attacking Third on this beautiful Friday. We're going to go ahead and do some introductions right away. I'm Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, first-time analyst Kaylee Awash. Welcome Thanks, in and joining guys. us. Thank you. And Thank Darian you. Jenkins. Uh, Kaylee, first of all, welcome. We do a thing here called Footy Kit Friday. I see you're representing. Yes, um, let's representing. go ahead and run through the kits. Darian, what are you repping? Hold on, let me flip my natural hair. No, I'm just playing. Everyone else, isn't it? Um, I got this kit from NYCFC. Love this green. It's my, actually, a lot of our favorite colors, I think. Mm -hmm. Kaylee, what's your favorite blue. color, actually? I, I love blue. Oh, blue, this is, blue is my girly. favorite. Goes yes. with your eyes, I get yes. it. But Thank yes, they you. gave me this kit. I absolutely love it. Kaylee? I'm repping my squad today, Burnley. We got our first Premier League win this week, so it is a big week for us. It's not Yay. just your squad. Ownership, come on, yeah. brag it's about it. It's officially yeah. your squad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Actually, no. Um, yeah, it's been so much fun, so I got to rep. I love it. Beautiful. That looks Big awesome. Flex. And the blue, I mean, it matches. Your favorite mm -hmm. color. Yes, yes, favorite color. What it's a flex a to be like, yeah, this is my team. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, this no, is my team. Literally, I own the team. Like, I own. Literally, it's fine. It's fine. Um, well, I'm repping my team that I don't own, but I support. <laughs> Philly Union, they finally got a win. They stopped drawing after draw after draw. Picked up uh, a win and hoping to keep it rolling this weekend. Let's there we go. go. Looks good. I love repping some, like, weird kits that no one really knows about. I typically stay away from the U.S. stuff. Um, this is Atletico Mineiro. This is a Brazilian Serie A team. Um, I've made my choice in every country, so I can't I like go back it. from it. And this is this is one I've been wrapping on morning footy and such. Um, figured it's time to bring it to attacking third. It looks Love good. It. it looks great. Um, but as we welcome in our very new analyst, uh, Kaylia, I think it's time to show a video, shall we? There's some history. Oh, oh my god. My god. <laughs> Oh my gosh, was that me? Yes, I am so impressed. I could not do that now. <laughs> okay, when was that? Yeah, so what? That's we Jenny need a backstory. Yeah, doing backflips. So when was this? Jenny, can you still do that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm really impressed with us. Wait, wait when, when was that? Story? When, when was, was that? Because that was you. No, like, I cannot me? believe I used to be able to do that. <laughs> Jenny and I went to college together, obviously, so we're Tar Heels. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've known each other for so long. 
I'm you, so you glad you're here. You guys used to practice your backflips together. Apparently, oh. that's what we did before training. Look at us. Look at how skilled we are. But not only did you do <laughs> it, I did it so over impressed. your team. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Did we need you them laying up there to do that? We just have done it ourselves. How did we give you one to do that? Like, just, just lay there. Okay, we can recreate that right here on the show. <laughs> yeah. like, it's I'm not laying <laughs> down. Can either of you two do that? No. Okay. There's well, absolutely on, no way I could do that. Can you do a flip? I can do like a like a cartwheel. Okay. Better than, better, <laughs> no than Jordan's, better than Jordan's cartwheel? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding, Jordan. Your cartwheel was great. Jenny, we need to try that again. We will. We'll, we we'll, need to we'll, try we'll, that again. We'll try to redo that at some point. Yes. Um, but welcome in, Kalia. Thank you. We're, we'd love to have you here. Um, let's go straight into the news right now. We're going to start in London, where Jonas Eideval has signed a three-year contract extension with Arsenal. Eideval has been the Gunners' manager since 2021, and he won his first trophy for the club last season when Arsenal beat Chelsea in the Conti Cup final. Lisa, Darian, how are we feeling about, about this extension of three years for him? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's it shows that Arsenal in their entirety are investing in their coaches and giving them a good amount of time to get settled and develop their own style of play, develop the team that they want. And we know that takes time. It's, there, no coach is going to come in and, I mean, it's very rare to have like immediate luck and a ton of success. You mentioned, you know, they made it to the semifinals of Champions League. They won the Conti Cup. Um, They've had a lot of success, especially going through the injuries that's plagued Arsenal this last year. But I think Giannis Eideval has had a really, really good time with them. He's brought in players like Alessia Russo, Leila Codina, who just won a World Cup with Spain, Amanda Ilstead, Kira Cooney-Cross, who I think are going to really help develop this 3-4-3 style that he's mm -hmm. been playing with them. Um, and it's just the beginning. I know they had a loss to Liverpool 1-0 at home. And they're out of Champions League this year. They're so. out of Champions League, I know, I know. But... I do think it's so early on. Yeah. I think now that he has time and the comfortability to like make the squad exactly how he wants it, they're going to have a lot of success. This team is stacked. They're so stacked. And so I think just giving him the time to develop is going to be really good. And I'm excited. I think it's a good signing. I think it was a great move by Arsenal. Yeah, it's a three-year contract, mm -hmm. which just says how invested they are. And they're committed to him long term, which yeah. as a coach, that's good to hear because now you can develop those players. Mm -hmm. And he has a little bit of time to do that. You mentioned the fact that Arsenal is doing that across both both teams, mm -hmm. uh, Mikel Arteta and now on the men's side, I mean, on the women's side. And we see that has been successful for the men's side to yeah. kind of have time to build your team and to really believe in it. So it's interesting to see all the signings that they brought in and how they will continue there. We're going to go ahead and move stateside where Casey Stoney expressed her frustrations at the prospect of San Diego's new MLS team getting scheduling priority over the wave at Snapdragon Stadium. Stoney said, quote, it frustrates me again that we're the established team in the market and a men's team comes in and gets first picks on schedule. Same stuff I've been dealing with for 41 years. I've been in this game a long time, so it's a shame that it continues to happen, but it is what it is. I mean, this is fundamentally wrong in my eyes, um, Lisa, but just what? Yeah, like, I mean, the fact that they've been able to sell out the stadium and now they're... It's so like frustrating. Go ahead. Exactly. It's so frustrating that an MLS side comes in and expansion is great. We want the growth of the game, but why do they deserve the priority, mm -hmm. right? Why, why do they get number two in the tenant? So it is San Diego State's football stadium. They're the number one tenant in this stadium. And now that San Diego FC, the new MLS expansion side, just automatically gets second dibs on that. It's, it's really frustrating. And when you look at the scope of the season, um, football, they play about eight games at home. MLS, it's Wednesdays and Saturdays. So that is essentially takes out Saturdays for San Diego to uh, host, San Diego Wave to host an NWSL, which is really tough. That's when yeah. that's when football clubs want their games on Saturday nights. And Kalia, you know, as a player, how frustrating is it for the women to be put 
on the back end again and again. It's so frustrating that we are still talking about this. Even after a team has proven themselves in the market, they're first in the league in average attendance with just over 20,000, and that's beating a lot of MLS teams. Yep. So it's incredibly frustrating, and I can see why Casey Stoney is so angry about it. It also goes to the fact we've talked a lot about on the show that if you provide the stadium <laughs> and the times, fans will show up. They, Especially San Diego has proven that time and time again. So then to not allow there to be as many Saturday games as possible, which is when it's most convenient for fans to come, whether, yeah, whatever the circumstances are, that's the prime time. And so to for the women to get second dibs is just... It's trash. It's happening it way too often. It's absolute trash. Yeah. Well, we're going to stay on the West Coast where U.S. Women's National Team legend Megan Rapinoe will play her final NWSL regular season home game at Lumen Field when the rain take on the spirit. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. on CBS. You're not going to want to miss it. And what we're hearing is that it might break or it's set to break yeah. the NWSL single Huge. game attendance Huge. record with 32,000 plus. So what we're seeing is it's going to be 32,000, but Lumen Field fits so many. I think no, up to a 72-person capacity, it should be It's, it's way huge. More. It's huge for OL Reign. It's huge for the NWSL. It's huge for Megan Rapinoe. The fans yeah. are mm -hmm. showing yeah. up and showing out. They've been promoting the heck out of this, as they should. Um, it's a really big deal. However, they need three points. Yes. <laughs> yes. They need three points. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point. Um, they're going to go and show out for Megan Rapinoe, who has been there for like 10 years. I mean, she's been in the city of Seattle for so long, and they're going to turn out for her, and that's going to be awesome. While it may be a little bit emotional for the fans and the players, also, they have to get points here. This is a five and six team playing against each other. Yeah, it's really crucial for Oil Rain to pick up points against Washington Spirit. Um, it, a win here solidifies themselves in the top half of the table as we only have two match days left, including tonight. So Oil Rain needs the points. The home field advantage is going to help them. You imagine 32,000 strong mm -hmm. for your your superstar and Megan Rapinoe and for your team in blue, it's, it's going to help you. Um, but, hey, they got 90 minutes to get through first. Yeah. I'm really excited about this one tonight. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that one, but we're just getting started here on Attacking Third. And when we come back, Sandra Herrera is going to join us to talk all things Kansas City Current, the team that is out of playoff contention. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Kansas City Current came into the season with trophy expectations, but were never able to string together enough wins to reach the top half of the table. Our very own Sandra Herrera joins us now to help break down Kansas City's season. Uh, Sandra, first of all, they fired their head coach at the end of last season after they made it to the final, and now they're in very last place. Talk me through what the Kansas City team did and what they're looking like. It's tough. I got to bring it back. It's T-U-F-F. -F. It's too ugly for feedback. <laughs> I don't know if I can give it to you, but I'm going to try. Look, it's spooky season. 
we're going to keep with the with the theme. We had to do chaos ratings the the previous episode, and now we got to do a postmortem for for Kansas City Current. So it's it's all a vibe. It's it's we love a theme here at Attacking Third, and it's tough because look, I got to put myself on blast, and and even when we were doing things in the off season for Attacking Third, when we were having our way too early predictions or rankings, when Lisa and I were going back and forth about what we could possibly see out of this team in the regular season, we were high on Kansas City Current. And that was because we were all really, really impressed with their offseason and how they navigated things and and players that they wanted to bring into the fold. It was the first ever offseason of free agency. And Kansas City was a team that said, we are absolutely going to try to make a splash here. No pun intended, but they went out and they got Dabinia, who we rated as probably one of the key targets of free agency, and also tried to bulk up their midfield a little bit more with veteran pieces like Vanessa Bernardo and Morgan Gatra. And everything that you want to see out of an organization to go into their offseason and make those moves, to go ahead and build off of that 2022 championship runners-up run that they had, out in D.C. against Portland to go ahead and finally maybe get over that hump, but didn't come to light, unfortunately. Sandra, Matt Potter gave them a lot of success last season, and you're right, they made a ton of moves in the offseason. Was firing him the fourth game in the correct move for Kansas City? You know what? I think that's an excellent question. And I honestly think that even if they did not fire him, that they might have had some hiccups along the way. There are certain things that are kind of out of your control at some point. Things like player injury that's out of players control, staff control. It's soccer. Things happen. And that is something that this team has had to really, really deal with uh, throughout the entirety of their season, whether it was from week one and now as we're looking ahead to nearly the final two weeks of this regular season. Now, they went ahead to shake things up really early on in that season. And maybe you could say try to make a case. And we did see the team respond just a little bit right after that moment where we saw Carolyn Quablon come into to the interim head coach role, get this team a couple of wins. They were one of those teams that kind of struggled in the beginning of the season. And you get to a point where you say you don't want to be 0-3 or 0-4, et cetera. And they were a team that finally kind of responded to that a little bit. But ebbs and flows, mixing of things up. We saw a change at, at goalkeeper in the starting position at some point. We saw French come out, and then we saw Cassie Miller come in. Uh, we got to see you know, this team and how they were going to navigate those injuries, not just to some of these new player signings that they made, but to players that they really knew that they were going to have part of their core. And Kristen Hamilton having to be on the bench to start this this season. And I think when you look at stuff like that, Maybe that's not so much, uh, you know, you could point two fingers to coaching staff specifically, but maybe folks are going to ask questions of, uh, you know, the admin level, you know, what's going on in the front office and, and why those moves were made and what is going to be that next step now as they look ahead to the offseason, because it's coming earlier for them. They're officially eliminated from playoffs. And how are they going to roll with that next head coach who is going to be named to that position? And that is going to be the question for the GM and executives in the front office. That's a perfect segue into my next question. So the squad has all of the keys to, they should have made playoffs in my opinion this year. They're one of the most stacked teams in the NWSL. What does the next coach have to do for 2024 to make the squad successful as we saw them last year? It sounds so simple, but probably take this season, crumple it up and like throw it in the garbage can for starters. That's the, Look, you want to have the short memory, right? You don't want to dwell on what you didn't obtain or achieve within this 
season, although I'm sure there are some players who can maybe go through this season with the current and you can pluck out some silver linings. I think Michelle uh, Cooper, their their rookie, is, is has made a strong case for herself this season. That's a young piece that you're going to want to continue to build with moving forward if you're Kansas City current. Um, how does she slot in? What's the best formation to make sure that you're getting the most strengths and positives out of all these players, whether they are your veteran players that you signed on just uh, last offseason who have been in this league for multiple years or your players who just got here. So that is going to be, I think, the biggest task of, of this next coach is sort of hitting that reset button and getting these players to their strengths where you know we can where, where we know we can see them and maybe get back to a playoff run. We saw a little bit of that, I think, in the Challenge Cup. I mean, let's not forget that this is a team that was able to make it back to a Challenge Cup semifinal and play host again, but they unfortunately had a similar ending as they did to that previous Challenge Cup semifinal where they lost out and were eliminated. So uh, I think within the lowest of lows of a season, you can always try to go in there and find the good things. And I think those are some of the things that Kansas City is going to want to try to build on moving forward. There's always things that teams can learn, even when they suffer in seasons. And Sandra, you and I talked about it in March, that Kansas City absolutely won the offseason with blockbuster signings in Brazilian international Dabinha and midfielders DiBernardo and Gatral, and they get the number two overall draft pick in Michelle Cooper. But what happened? Where was the turning point during this year where Kansas City just couldn't connect? Is there a pinpoint moment for you? Yeah, I'm going to say it's probably right in the middle of that first half of the season. I'll, I'll always argue for the league and, and how it's the most competitive in, in the world, and it's not over until it's over, right? And so, no, you can't lose an entire season in just maybe your first six weeks or so of a regular season, but you can definitely try to at least set yourself up for some better success in that middle half or even this final third of the regular season. And just unfortunately, the current were just never able to really get their footing off the ground, I think, within that first six, eight weeks of the season. And while we saw them compete at times, again, saw them punch through their, their ticket to the Challenge Cup semifinal, we saw the return of, of Kristen Hamilton and what she can bring for this team uh, in, in the attacking third. Again, sometimes it really is just a little too late, and you hate to see that for a team and a club that had such really high ambitions for their 2023 season. But now, not only are they going to hit this reset button and they're playing these next two games for next season, you want to build off of the momentum of how you close out your season. We saw that happen for this team in 2021 and how they kind of played a little bit of that sport spoiler role down the stretch in the final four weeks of the 2021 season, carrying that into 2022 and finding themselves as runners up in the NWSL championship in 2022. So now they find themselves the near bottom of the table. There's still a couple weeks to go. So anything can happen. Maybe they're not going to be the winners of the wooden spoon. But you want to take these two games and absolutely build on them. If you're a player, you want to show, hey, I want to be here. I want to be I believe in this project. I want to push through and push forward. Um, so I'm still looking to see a good response from from these players in these final two weeks. Sandra, you mentioned injuries. Injuries plagued this team throughout the whole season. Morgan, Vanessa, Sam Lewis has been out for a long time now. How did that change their style of play and how they approached the season? I think it impacts it 
like huge, massive, massive. I don't have to explain to you, Clay. You know better than anyone. You played with Gatra. You played with Di Bernardo. You know what they can do in a middle third for a club. And to not have them, I think, maybe kind of put a little bit of a pause on how this team wanted to look moving forward. Now, unfortunately, when you've got two players like that and you've got others within that Hannah Glass. We haven't mentioned too much on this one. This is another one of those international signings that they made to kind of bulk things up, perhaps on on the wings as, as someone who could play out, outside back. Not really available for this club due to injury as well with the, you know, the lingering knee injury. They knew about Sam Ewis going into this one. Desiree Scott, a player, unfortunately, who was really unable to, to, to make an impact and, and return to the pitch this year. These are all pieces. It's very easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, sure, another co- coach can come on here and, and hit that reset button and they can go. But when you're doing that constantly throughout a season, there is no opportunity for cohesion, for developing your, your your style of play. And then we also saw the rotation as well, like I said, in really key roles, whether it was French and Miller and Quablam saying, hey, there's competition at that position. It's going to go to what we see out of training. And some weeks we saw one goalkeeper and some weeks we saw another. So maybe just maybe with a little bit of a lengthier off season, maybe not hitting a reset button so much inside of a season, it'll give players opportunity to, to, to rehab, to heal and get back out on the pitch and really make a run for Kansas city. Well, Sandra, I know that they're no longer in contention for the playoffs, but they do still have two more matches left here. So we'll continue to watch them. And I know that those injuries definitely plagued them, but thank you so much for joining us and giving us the lowdown on Kansas city current Sandra. Thanks. Uh, Next, we're going to be talking about the NWSL, uh, diving deeper into the fact that only one team has clinched and one team is out of playoff contention. Uh, We're going to break down everything next. Stay with us. It is a big weekend in the NWSL with all top six teams facing off this weekend. And it is a juicy, juicy one coming up. Lisa, first of all, that OL reign against Washington Spirit match tonight on big CBS at 8 p.m. We're expecting an attendance record here. Huge. It's Megan Rapinoe's last regular season home game at Lumen Field, and OL Reign is packing the stadium. But tomorrow, too, and Saturday, these games are just running through. It is so close in the standings. Every single game matters. Well, we're going to get into those previews in a little bit, but those are looking really good. This is a good weekend. I mean, second to last matches, okay? But before we get there, let's go ahead and cover the highlights that happened on Monday. There there was a match on Monday. Yes. (laughs) We get to talk about it. We got more football on Monday. It was warm. Wonderful. Orlando Pride traveled to the West Coast to take on Angel City. Look at this shot from Marta. It ends up being a one-goal game. Holy cow, Adriana. Are you kidding me? Yes. Are you kidding me? Anderson, what a perfectly hit volley. Anderson gets a touch on it after she pops up off the ground, but it still finds the back of the net. Adriana just eyeing this one. Laser focus. What a volley. That's her sixth goal of the year, and that's the game winner for Orlando in this match. Then later in the 82nd minute, there's an opportunity for Angel City. A potential handball there by mm. McCutcheon in the box. It goes to VAR review. They determine her hand is in a natural position, no penalty kick, no handball, an opportunity for Angel City to equalize in this match, and it just slips away from their fingers. They drop three points at home against Orlando Pride, and meanwhile, Darian, your Pride girlies, they they needed this win a little bit. I was hoping you would say the Pride girlies. <laughs> I was going to give you crap after this, but yeah, they needed the win. It was great to see them get the, get the dub at Angel City. What a difficult stadium to go away and play at. They broke in Angel City's unbeaten streak, 11 matches. 
I'm happy for the Pride Girlies. They actually play here pretty soon, and they have an opportunity to make playoffs, which will be the first in a long time. If not I have ever. them. I have them making the playoffs. I I, you have to do our, our playoff things. I have them in. I, really I feel don't. like they did what they had to do to win the game, but Angel City truly dominated. And they had so many chances that they couldn't put away. And then one mistake and obviously an incredible volley. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens when you don't put your chances away. If you're not clinical, you're going to be punished for it. What do you think, Kalia? Was that a handball or not? I think it was a handball. I, did, so. I, I, do, I really wanted Angel City to win that game, so I might be a little biased. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Darian. It's okay. I'm sorry, Darian. It's just, Tell I'm just us something. I felt like they dominated and played so well, but um, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's not a handball because of the way Haley McCutcheon's arm is. It's in a natural position away from her body um, as she's in that athletic stance with it just a few inches away. It's not a handball in this moment. As soon as the hand comes up here, that's when it becomes a handball. I know it is a heartbreaker, though. Yes. I get it. Lisa's given us the rules here, but it just like it seemed like a handball. It <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, like, just a blind handball. eye test, that's a yes. handball in my opinion. Um, but that was great from last weekend for last Monday. We're going to go ahead and preview this weekend's action now. It all starts tonight. Oh, well, game <laughs> rain against Washington Spirit. This is the Megan Rapino show, her goodbye at Lumen Field after she spent 10 years in Seattle. Kalia, what are you expecting in this one? It's going to be an incredible moment. Your entire NWSL career in one city, mm -hmm. it's so amazing. She's an icon, obviously. But these teams need a win. And they, each of these teams need three points. And they're, they're vying for a, a spot. And they're fifth and sixth place. So if Washington wins this game, they clinch. It's going to be very difficult. 32,000 tickets sold and, and counting. And, counting, yeah. and um, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it's, just, it's a big game for Washington, too. They're coming off a, a win over Kansas City last weekend at home where they rode the home field advantage at Audi Field, and they come up with a big 2-1 win to pick up three points and snap their winless streak that Washington had. Now they're on the road, and to play at Lumen Field in, in front of a sold-out sold fans that are all cheering for one player on the opposition, it's a really big uphill battle. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So I was on Box to Box earlier today, and I said if there's one player on the U.S. national team that kind of takes uh, the same reign that Megan Rapino did, potentially in a the personality aspect. It would be Trinity Rodman and those two mm -hmm. players facing mm -hmm. off today. Massive respect um, from both of them. But let's move on to Portland against Gotham. Win and you're in, Darian. Love it. It's going to be such a good game. Talk about another stadium that is so difficult to play in. Kaylee, as you know, in Portland, you cannot hear yourself think. You can't speak to your teammates because their fans are crazy. They're so yes. loud. They show out for their team. But Gotham last weekend, although they lost to Houston, played really, really good football. I think the culmination of everything they've been working on this season came together in that match besides the finishing. I know. It was the final yes. product, just that final pass. Um, also, shout out to Jane Campbell. She had an outstanding yes. game. Outstanding game. So unbelievable. And Portland, I think, they're more of a complete team than Houston, so it's going to be a really big challenge against Gotham. Their front three is scary to play against, and I think they're going to attack Gotham's back line, um, especially in those high transition moments because that's how Houston scored. So they're going to go into the game thinking that's how they're going to get goals and create opportunities. But I'm rocking with my Gotham girlies. I think they're going to be working on shooting this entire week and finishing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after watching last week's game back. Um, 
but it's going to be a really, really good match. You were on the call for Gotham's last game, and they had so many shots but were unsuccessful, unable to be clinical. Do you think that with that shooting practice all week long, they're going <laughs> to put it together this week? Yeah, I, th I think so. I think Lynn Williams is going to be really hungry because she had some great shots last week that Jane Campbell, again, was incredible, had so many saves. And they were their 1v1 artists on the wing, and having Esther Gonzalez healthy again coming back into the game is going to be really key for them to get this win. And what clinch. a different style of player mm -hmm. to add yeah. Esther Gonzalez into that team that was already so attacking-minded. Now yeah, that so last dynamic. piece is that clinical, exactly, dynamic player. Lisa, when we mentioned this match, Lisa said she wanted to give the preview because she had some <laughs> stats in here. North Carolina <laughs> against San Diego, Lisa. Yeah, San Diego has clinched. They're the one and only team in the NWSL that has secured their spot in the postseason. Now they want to host. And if they do that against this North Carolina side, they will pick up a first or second spot in the standings, which means they'll get a first-round bye and they get to host. Meanwhile, North Carolina, they're Challenge Cup winners, and they come into this match winless in their last six. However, they find the back of the net, and they do mm -hmm. it so consistently. Now, recent form for these sides, Caroline coming off of a big goal. She's in the hunt for the golden boot. She is just one goal behind Sophia Smith, and you can bet your bottom dollar that she's got her eyes on that, and she wants to do it. She has to pick up goals, and it starts in this match against the San Diego side. Meanwhile, San Diego, they just played their best game of football last week against Portland. They get a 2-0 win. Alex Morgan gets back on the scoring sheet. She is hitting her stride at just the right point in the season. It's going to be a fast game. San Diego wants to go direct. North Carolina is going to look to keep the ball, and San Diego's okay not having it. So it'll come down to really key moments of capitalization for either side. Oof. What do you think, Kalia? It's a tough one. I, I think North Carolina takes it. Oh, yes, I, I like do. That. Go Heels. Um, Jane, what about you? <laughs> Go Hill. No, North, I think North Carolina's <laughs> going to take it. Interesting. I With do. San Diego um, clinching, I feel like they're coming off feeling so great about themselves. It's, we'll see how that one goes. I think I'm going San Diego wave that one. What Ooh, are you thinking, Lisa? I like that. I think North Carolina's going to pick up points, mm -hmm. um, and they'll get the win here. They have to. Yeah. North Carolina need needs them. to clinch. They've got a little bit more on the line in this game, so go Courage. Okay, up next we have our very own Jordan Angeli speaking to Sid LaRue about Angel City injuries and a bit of self-care. You won't want to miss it. Sydney LaRue joined us to discuss her contract extension at Angel City, the wonderful soccer culture in LA and all of the great fans who are such a big part of that. She also touched on her injury recovery process and her self-care routine. Check it out. Sid, thanks so much for taking some time to join me. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to chat with you. It's been a whirlwind of a season, I think we can say. So we got a lot to get into. But first of all, congratulations, Angel City, just last week, announcing that they exercised your option for next year. So just tell us, what does it mean for you, the commitment that this club has given you? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's patience. You know, I I still feel like I haven't given them my best. And obviously I came back from my ankle injury only to get injured again, uh, broke my ribs and then coming back from that. So um, obviously I think it, it's been amazing that they still have trust and belief in me and, and patience, of course. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for next season. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for right now, you know, that last little playoff push, but I'm really looking forward to an off season where I can truly have an off season and really come in like guns a blazing for, for preseason and then the season. 
You've played for a number of different NWSL teams, but what, what makes Angel City different? You say they're patient with you, but this organization is trying to differentiate themselves. Do you feel like they're doing that? Yeah, I think, I mean, of course, I, you look at, you look at our games and it's packed, like it's a packed house. Uh, you walk around LA and there's people in Angel City gear. Like it's amazing. I think we have really strong, powerful women who, you know, are owners and investors in our team who want to push us forward and push the sport forward. Um, and I think it's, it's amazing to be a part of. This week, uh, a little bump in the road for you guys. You're on an 11-game unbeaten run. You lose to Orlando mm -hmm. at home on Monday. But there's something special brewing with this squad. What has changed within your group over the last number of games that has allowed you guys to really start to push for a playoff spot? Yeah, I think just kind of finding our identity, um, knowing what we're good at, knowing what we need to work on, working on things in practice, uh, asking questions and like not having so much of a gray area. I think that that's really important, especially when you have a new team, like it's gotta be, this is what I want and this is how it needs to be. And I think that's where we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. You say knowing our identity. Well, tell us what, what do you think the identity of this team is? Um, I think that we are able to push a little harder. I think, uh, we compete. I think, um, we really struggled with, you know, giving, I mean, that's still also, it's like NWSL after dark all the time. <laughs> um, so I feel like every single team in this league deals with that, but I think the chaos of like, the last 15 minutes, I think we're stronger there um, than we were before. And I think that's kind of what has pushed us through um, the sunbeaten streak, being able to hold on or, I mean, the ties haven't been ideal, but um, I think being able to hold on a little bit better has, has kind of yeah. been the difference maker. Absolutely. There, from an outsider's perspective, it does seem like there is a mental shift within the group. You guys now have two games left in the season. You, you have a loss, yeah. as I just said, on Monday night. How do you regroup and what do you learn from that loss in order to take these next two games knowing they're must wins to get into the playoffs? Totally. I think that I think pressure is a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think we need to accept that and we need to go into Houston and, and Portland with only a win on our minds. There's, there's no other, other way. So I, we go out there and we do as best as we can and we walk off the field with three points. And then when we play Portland, we do it again. Yeah. I think you can't really think about last night. I mean, of course we're going to learn from it. We're going to do film and we're going to see where, you know, what broke down, but at the end of the day, we had a lot more shots. We had, we should have, you know, we should have won that game, but that's, that's, we didn't. And now we have to move forward and we have to win the next two. Yeah. NWSL this year is wild. The table is chaotic. I think every, yes. every day you look at it thinking who is going to be in and who is going to be out. It's been closer than it ever has, Sid. As a player, what do you attribute that to? Yeah. I mean, competition. Right. I mean, this is the first time where you've seen a table so close. Um, I've been in the NWSL from the beginning, 
you know, as were you from the beginning. I mean, that table back in the day was like your last place team and your first place team. There were so many points in between. Now it's not like that. And I think you see a lot more competition and it's, it's stronger teams and it's, it's tough. It's a battle every single game. I mean, anyone can win any, any given day. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier just the injuries that you've had, and really that ankle injury was a major block in in your time coming to Angel City. You might not have come back from it, but you found and managed a way to come back, Sid. So kudos to you for such a strong battle to get back out on the field. But Mm -hmm. what did you learn as a a player and as a person? How did it challenge you or or change you? And do you see yourself a, a little bit different as a player nowadays? Yeah. Um, you know, I had never really been injured before. I hadn't had a a big injury. I'd been pregnant, but never a big injury like this. Um, and so it took a, it took a mental toll on me for sure. And I, I think that we don't talk about that as much, um, what injury looks like. And it's a very isolating, lonely place because you're doing it on your own. And, you're just constantly wondering like, Oh, am I going to come back from this? Can I be who I was before? And I, I remember having those feelings when I was, when I was pregnant and coming back from the kids, but this one was different because it was very specific. And when I came back, I felt like I was, you know, like figuring out how to like move my body again and run and do all of those things. And I didn't have to do that when I was pregnant. Um, so it, it was really, it it changed what I see, um, the sport for me, because I had never experienced it before. And I have that, that conversation with press and, and Simone, you know, some of the other, um, players who I've been injured with. Um, and it's tough. It's, a uh, it's tough. And you, you, you have to take it day by day because if you look to the future, it's scary because it seems so long. Um, and so, And it was long and it is long. And when I came back, I'm like, okay, I'm finally like feeling like myself in training. I was feeling like myself. And then, you know, I I broke my ribs and it's like, well, (laughs) it's just the worst, like the worst luck ever because I'm like, who even breaks their ribs? That's so weird. Um, and I know like, I, like I go into tackles hard and I've like, that's how I've always played. And I'm like, I've always come out of these just like, kind of, Oh, it's fine. And then this one, it it took me out. And so I kind of had to go through the process of coming back again. And it was, it was a heartbreaker for me, for sure. Yeah. We, we really don't talk enough about the mental side of injury and, and how support systems are key. So I'm glad in some ways you can be there for those of your teammates who are going through that right now. And and it makes me think of wellness and you have a new campaign with Philip Sonicare all about wellness. So I want to know first and foremost, what does wellness mean to you? Wellness is just, that's a really good question because I feel like it's wellness is self-care to me. Um, Feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your surroundings. Um, I think for me, like having a routine, a wellness routine, um, which of course that's where my partnership with Philip Sonicare comes in and I'm going to help motivate people to make the most of their wellness routines. 
Um, and that's like short and long term. I think, I mean, you know what it's like when, when you were playing, having a routine and like being able to, you know, that you're going to go to practice, you know, that you're going to have a lift. And I think those are really important to like create good habits, good, healthy habits. So, yeah, yeah. It, it seems right then partnering with Philip Sonicare for this specifically, because you can control those things, right? It's about a little bit controlling yes. some of the processes in your life. I know part of it is playlists. So what, yes. what's on your yeah. playlist, Sid? Oh, okay. So I am like one of those people who, when I have a song, I'm going to play it out like no tomorrow. <laughs> um, and so for like the last like six months, I have had the same playlist. <laughs> and like that's all I listen to. Um, but my favorite song right now would be uh, People by LaBianca. I love it. I love it. Well, I thank you so much for taking a little time to chat with us all about your season and your partnership with Philip Sonicare. Um, yeah, really appreciate it, Sid. Thank you. And it's nice seeing you again. Great stuff from Jordan Angeli there. Up next, we're going to be talking about the living icon, Megan Rapino as she approaches her last regular season home match with the OL Reign tonight. Stay with us. Megan Rapinoe will play her last regular season home game this weekend at Lumen Field. The two-time World Cup winner is set to retire at the end of the season, and CBS Morning had a chance to catch up with Rapinoe ahead of this weekend's match. Take a listen. Your greatest commitment really was to leaving the game in a better place than as you started. Do you feel like you've helped do that? Well, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, not just me. I, I, I say, like that answer. Yes, That's good. <laughs> I say it a, a little bit uh, arrogantly, but only because, I'm, only because I'm speaking on behalf of you know all the players in my generation. Yeah. I think this generation of players is, has really changed the game forever and. You know, it's up to this next generation to, you know, take that sort of platform that they're on now and take it, you know, to places we never even knew was possible. Move the ball forward. Move the ball forward, yeah. I'm very proud of everything that I've been able to do on the field and the career that I've had. I think that has really allowed me to do something that's much more important. You have stood out and you have really become a voice for so many. What is it about you, Megan Rapino, that really resonates with people? I just bring my full self to it. I think a lot of people are able to see themselves in me, but I think also a lot of times the world doesn't really announce that you can bring your, your full self all the time. The world was never designed in a way that was gonna fit me fully anyway, so I think I've always kind of gone about it in, in my own sort of way, but also trying to bring other people with me. You were talking about even, you know, moments of greatness, but also in moments of failure. You'd rather be the one there taking the shot, even if it's gonna be a miss, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, all you can do is, is prepare and, and do your best. Um, I feel like if I'm, I'm missing a, a penalty and, you know, obviously the, what was it, round of 16 this last World Cup in a shootout, that means I'm there. I'm in the game. I'm in the World Cup. I'm in that moment. I've put myself in a position to do the very best that I 
could. Um, obviously, I missed that one, um, but I would, you know, take it again. I think everybody would have me take it again. That's, that's the worst thing that happens, missing a penalty in the game. That's, I'm, do, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. That's how I look at it. For all that work that you've done in civil rights, social justice, gay and trans rights, have you embraced the role of being a gay icon? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I love being gay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, seeing how much, even just you know, our team of sports have have changed, and how many out athletes there are now compared to um, when I first came out, I think it's pretty amazing to be called a gay icon. It's like the Elton Johns and Billie Jean Kings of the world. So if that's me, I'll take it. Crowning achievement. Yeah, exactly, right there. <laughs> Wear it, there you yeah, go. exactly. <laughs> it's not in your DNA to go away quietly into the night, right? No. I have a feeling <laughs> you're gonna be louder than ever. <laughs> what can we expect? I mean, I still have, you know, a lot going on. I have an amazing partnership with Nike um, that we're right in the middle of. Um, just had a, a line come out with them. We'll continue to do a ton of work with them, and even more so now that I'll have a lot more time. I think anywhere that I can lend my voice to amplify or to support or help to use that megaphone in, in a positive way, you'll, you'll see me there still. What are your parting words to those who are the future generation? Oh gosh, I think just uh, believing in yourself. Um, there's gonna be, you know, there's always gonna be people that wanna hold you back, but um, you guys are the ones out there on the field and, um, you know, sort of in charge of this, this next phase of everything. Just believe in yourselves and believe in each other and stick together. Take that um, opportunity, I think, and take that privilege um, to, yeah, do, do something really special with your life that this sport can provide for you. I know you're trying to take it all in and take in the moment, but I imagine in the quiet, in the stillness, it's been emotional. Yeah, it's hard to hold all the emotions at one time. I'm trying to stay focused and still play, and but also I, I do want to enjoy these moments. I do want to be able to take it all in, and hopefully, you know, while the game is still going on, I'll keep it together, but there's no guarantees. <laughs>
we will forever be grateful to Megan Rapino. She's changed so many players' lives, mm -hmm. so many fans' lives, and Laura Harvey, head coach for OL Reign, talked about how she changed her as a coach. Mm -hmm. And when she started in, in Seattle, she didn't really know what she was doing, and Megan was there for her and helped her be an authentic coach. I mean, she's touched everyone, everyone in the sport. That authenticity is what I take away from, from Megan, being willing to be yourself and being like free to be yourself mm -hmm. and feel comfortable in your own skin in all ways. And I think that um, just the amount that she's stood up for minorities and um, the underrepresented in every way has just been the most beautiful thing. So uh, we say goodbye to her in Seattle, but hopefully they make the playoffs and maybe we get to see yeah. a little bit more of her. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today on Attacking Third. We're gonna be back on Monday with all the weekend's results, highlights, everything about the world of women's football. Have a great weekend.